Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel of the Series one by one. We will be discussing details from previous episodes, but if you have never watched the show before, rest assured, it's a weird way of saying assured, that we will not be spoiling any future episodes. Uh, I didn't prepare a pithy comment, so I'm Harrison. And I'm Rickety Cricket. Jesus. <laughs> uh, I'm Jason, and uh, I know a little bit more about sex now because of Joyce. <laughs> Harrison, what episode are we watching today? Oh, we are watching Buffy Season 5, Episode 7, Forever. 17. 17, thank you. Forever. Uh, this is the episode where it's slightly less devastating than the body, but still pretty devastating. And there's also a body. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, in the aftermath of Joyce's funeral, um, Don, uh, I don't want to say reasonably, but, uh, understandably, turns to the black arts to try to resurrect her mother. Uh, this leads to, uh, the show's, I'd say a return to the horror genre that it hasn't been really leaning into for a while, and some much-needed catharsis i think for both the summers women and for the booze and buffy boys <laughs> forever was written and directed by our girl marty noxon mm-hmm. and originally aired on april 17th 2001 yes and i just want to point out that that's about a six week break between uh when the body and uh the accompanying angel episode epiphany, epiphany aired so wow i <laughs> That's a that's a that's quite a break to make. That I I don't know if audiences were like, oh, thank God, or like, God damn it. I probably would have been like, thank God. Yeah. Cause just because we've been operating at ten, we need to bring it down to like a two. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, we come back and we're like, how about a nine point eight? Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, hit that music. Jason, what are we drinking today? Red wine. Yeah. Red, red wine. Stay close to me. I've been like out of red wine for like a week. We like haven't had any. How did you survive? It's rough. Did you like drink John's blood? I drank John's beer. Which I, I like beer. Like I'm not, it's not like a but I've been trying to drink less beer. Um and like not like more wine, but like you know, beer anyway. Uh, <laughs> beer is very filling and I do tend to overindulge in beer. Like like not like getting like super, super drunk, but getting very like bloated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, then I don't feel good. Um, so it's not like I'm getting like super wasted every night, but I do have a tummy ache sometimes. Aw. Um. That's your tum-tum. Not my tum-tum. It's very sensey tum-tum. I don't know why I'm being so cutesy right now. (laughs) Jesus Christ. This is a great start. Um, but yesterday I was like, John, make sure you get me some wine at the store. (laughs) Um. Some wine and say what's going on. Uh, a a toast. Um. Gosh, it's 
Jason, my man, it's a world right now. It's. I'll be honest, listeners, I didn't pick a, a, a non-profit this week. I, I, was too, I don't know. Everything was too much for me to do something like that. So go pick your own. And I'm struggling to think of what to toast to. So I'm going to toast to what brings us joy in our lives in these difficult times. Cling to what brings you joy. Jesus. I didn't mean to do that. That just feels like such a downer. I mean, it matches the tone of the episode. Right? Uh, <laughs> um, that's an interesting one. Yeah. It's just that box we usually have. It, it tastes a little different, though. It okay. tastes a little sweeter. Thank you. Okay. Do you remember a couple weeks ago when I was like, taste this wine, tell me if it tastes different than it has before? You don't remember that's why. Are you talking? Did you say that to John? Or did no, you to you. To you. What? Okay, you yeah, taste? I don't remember that. Okay, man. I don't know. I have found recently that the consistent taste of this boxed wine is not the same. Which, yeah, it is. It is a little like plummier. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I said, it's got a little more of a fruity bouquet to it. Ooh. <laughs> if we if we want to get into Somalia territory, <laughs> um. So before we dive into this episode, I do want to just start us off with a bit of trivia about it. I love trivia. Um, This episode is unique in the Buffy uh, series, not the Buffyverse, but in the series of Buffy itself, in that um, Buffy is not, uh, does not have an action scene in this episode, no Uh... sort of fight scene. The only action scene is the one with um, Don and Spike and King Ghidorah. Um, I'm sorry, the Gora Demon. Um, sorry to steal your joke again, Jason. <laughs> that was Jason's joke during the episode, and I just—it wasn't really a joke. It was so much as like an actual. It was wondering. an observation. Yeah. Yeah, like I mean, you know, it's called Gora, and it has three heads, and it looks a little like bit a, like yeah. Ghidorah. I just, I feel, I just realized, I've recently been like, wow, I have a bad habit of taking observations that Jason has made and then turning it into, like, my joke. And that's rude. That's, it's a little rude, but at the same time, I mean, I'm like a perpetual observation machine. Okay. All right. So, even if you do take stuff, I've still got more to crank out. All right. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, Buffy has no action scenes in this episode, no fight scenes, and... Honestly, quite frankly, very few scenes in the episode. She's really not much of a presence except at the very beginning and the very end. Yeah, and her a scene lot of with the focus is on Dawn. Very Dawn heavy. Um, with the exception of one very special cameo. Um, I will say, I, I made this comment to Jason after we recorded our episode on the body, I think it was. It was either after the body or after Epiphany. Um, that... I feel like this episode is sometimes like considered the redheaded stepchild to the body. It's like, and I don't think that's fair. I think this episode's really good, especially that final scene. Um, and I, I, I would, I, I would argue more integral to act, the actual story um, than the body. Obviously, the body is an amazing work of art, 
but as far as the actual arc of the season, it's not moving us anywhere where this episode does and actually provides some emotional catharsis that isn't present in the body Mm -hmm. by design. That's not a, that's not a criticism of the body. It's just that episode is doing one thing and this episode is doing another. And I think they actually work beautifully in tandem with one another. Um, So when I see this episode kind of sometimes lamented as like a huge step down from the body, I, I just think that's people expecting another the body and forever can't be that. That's my feelings. Um, yeah, kind of like um, uh, a certain episode in um, in season six is a uh, is very widely lauded as like one of the greatest episodes of Buffy. It is then followed by a different episode with like a completely different sort of story, but it's also a really really good episode. Yeah. Um, I, I don't need I, I'm not going to like say the names, but Harrison's nodding yeah. and, and he knows what I'm talking about. You know you're right. I do think the season six example, that follow up episode mm-hmm. um comes out slightly better, I think, in people's minds than yeah. this episode because it has a very specific thing that it's doing. Um but I I like this episode a lot. I like that it's a little more horror. We're obviously getting into a bit of a monkey's paw sort of sort of thing. Um, I like that we are, you know, last week was an exploration of everyone's immediate feelings of the shock and the numbness and the all that. And this week we are dealing with, you know, the, um, we talked a lot about last week, like life goes on. And here we actually are seeing that, like Mm -hmm. life is going on and characters are starting to have to As Buffy says, you gotta keep living. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, I think get this, busy uh, living or the, get busy dying. <laughs> um, this episode just does a really good job of it. I, I like it a lot. So, with all that said, let's start out buying caskets. Buying caskets. We are in the funeral home. Uh, we get a bit of a. I can't remember which episode it was, um, but it's an episode in season two, um, where. Buffy and Xander are in a funeral home. Yeah, it's the one where Xander kills the kills the vampire with like this the signpost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, it fa- became... is it phases? Maybe. Um, that's just like I just remember that because that was like Xander's shot in the credits for a while. <laughs> it's like we have like one shot to work with. <laughs> one great Xander action action shot. Um, but it it's very much played. Um. It reminds me a bit of last week where the, we get the doctor walking through the morgue hallway and it's very dark and it's very like, we're primed to be like, what's going to jump out at him? What's going to attack him? Because, you know, it's a fantasy monster show. Um, we get the same thing here. It's a dark room, caskets all around. We are primed to think that Buffy is hunting for a vampire. Um, but no, she is picking out a casket for Joyce. Why is this room so dark? It's Sunnydale. They love dark rooms. Um, but she is with uh, Giles and Dawn uh, and the funeral director or whoever. I don't give a shit about him. Um, but she, she... Mortician. Mortician. Well, is he the mortician? What's the difference? Well, I mean, I, I feel, feel like, like funeral director... 
I mean, I guess, like, uh, I don't know if, like, he directed the funeral or not. To me, <laughs> a mortician is, like, the person who's, like, handling the body and, like, oh, the right, preparation. And the funeral director is more in charge of, like, of the arrangements. And yeah. I, maybe what sometimes the... there's some overlap in those two what jobs. Was the one that the oldest, what was the one the oldest sister in Haunting of Hill House did? I mean, she... Well, she did it all, didn't she? She did it all. And I feel like that's also something on Six Feet Under is, like, okay. there's a little bit of overlap, but, like... And I don't... The, obviously, that's television. Who knows if that's accurate to real life. So, to all of our mortician slash funeral director listeners, we'd love your insight. Um, I, I think I personally would be very good at... Uh, coming up with the arrangements and making sure everything flows really nicely and is um i don't think i would do as well uh as in the actual preparation of the body i think i would be very too interested in guts so you could like do an autopsy i think it'd be great at an autopsy if someone taught me like you could don't just throw me into the autopsy room (laughs) Now I've just got a, an image you of know, Kirsten Dunst tap dancing while doing makeup on dead bodies. <laughs> you know, it's really funny that you say like, uh, oh, teach me, don't like just throw me into it. Because that actually kind of brings up a point that I wanted to bring up later, but I'll bring it up now. Go for it. Um, I'm not really sure how the ability to do magic works in mm. Buffy, in the Buffyverse. Because, Fair. you know... Um, uh, Tara and Willow, they're witches, so they are able to cast spells. But we've seen in this episode, Dawn is able to perform a very complex spell. We don't know what the final result was, um, because she, like, stops it before Mm -hmm. we can see it, but, I mean... Dawn has no previous magical experience. She literally just like reads the reads the spell and um and then like steals ingredients and uh finds out about like oh there's one more like ingredient that I need to get. But she's able to like perform the spell. So and I keep thinking about the magic shop. Like part of me just always seemed to think that it was about just selling this stuff as tchotchkes, but I mean, can anybody just like walk into the magic shop and buy stuff and then go home and do a spell i mean like it, yeah it, i think magic so accessible to everybody because i do remember like it. i don't know if we got to the episode yet but there's just one scene where um xander's reading a uh xander's reading a book lieberman sunday yeah yeah and, that was season four i think okay we've definitely gotten there. yeah yeah he's just like he's just reading a book and um and he's like, oh, it's not like you can just open a book and say Libra Vincente and then like it catches fire. And uh, that's when Joss is like, Xander, please don't speak Latin in the books. Like, yeah. So does anybody have the ability to um, like tap into magic? Based on the evidence we've seen and like Buffy doing that one, that spell earlier the season. Uh, oh, she, yeah. To, when she discovers that something's up with Dawn. Yeah. I think that, yes, anyone can do magic not to get all ratatouille about it (laughs) um anyone can cook i think nobody's i think anyone can do magic but i think for people there are some people like willow and tara to whom it comes naturally and who can do it without who who have the ability to do it maybe without ritual you know what i mean um so like 
Um, so like potentially depending on your skill level or your power level, someone could have done the spell Dawn did without all that stuff. Hmm. The, and listen, I'm, I'm being, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm saying sure we're just getting the into show head is inconsistent yeah, about we're getting, it. We're getting into headcanon territory. Yeah. That is just how it is. It is inconsistent, but this is this is my way of accepting it. it right. it's, it's varying levels of skills and and because um, we definitely have seen people do magic. We know that Giles isn't innately talented with magic, but definitely fucked around yeah. with it in his yeah. youth how many of those like frat boys like were able to just like do a spell in college right 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 so that's um and we know that anya just as a regular human turned olaf into a troll um but it was like very she had to do like a whole ritual about it but maybe like but once she became a demon she could just do that shit yeah um so that's how i'm accepting it and justifying okay. it but it's a good question it's a good thought because yeah but yeah, you just mentioned like, uh, oh, I just get thrown into the autopsy room or um, you have to teach me. Yeah. And uh, Todd just gets thrown into the resurrection room. I mean, she doesn't get thrown. She willingly walks yeah, in. Yeah, she jumps head first. Yeah. Um, so uh, they pick out a, uh, a casket. Well, I should say Buffy picks out a casket. Um Dawn is a little reticent. I don't think it's about Dawn, the choice. I think anything Buffy picked would have been difficult for Dawn to accept because as she says, you know, it's what she has to be. Same in. thing for that. Uh, same thing for what the the funeral director said about. Um, it's <laughs> like, oh, that's a good choice. It shows that she really cared about the deceased. I'm like, shut up. What, what was he gonna say? Like the was he gonna say something different about like, oh, if you pick that white casket, it's like, oh, you clearly didn't love your mother, right? <laughs> I, 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 you know, I'm sure that's part of the job is like being like, you know, you have to be supportive and like, but it is, but like, I mean, I'm outside of this and it's a fictional show so I can make observations. Well, that's what I tell you, a perpetual observation machine. That's a plot point, uh, like a minor one, but on six feet under where, um, uh, the oldest brother, Nate, who comes into the family business late, uh, later than the rest of the family, late Nate. Um, he's uncomfortable with trying to upsell people on caskets and stuff. He's like, there is a whole thing where he's like, I don't, it, I don't think it's okay for us to be trying to upsell people in these very vulnerable times. And Michael C. Hall says, don't be a bitch, sell it. <laughs> I mean, kind of. Michael C. Hall's more like, I agree with you, but also our family business is failing and <laughs> I'm trying to hold everything together. Stop being an asshole. <laughs> um, uh, Back at the Summer's home, uh, they're having dinner. Um, Buffy, they're, they're discuss- discussing plans for... It, it is Giles, and... Buffy, Dawn, and Willow and Xander. Yes. Um, and Dawn is clearly... Marty has done a good job both in the scripting and the staging of this scene to keep Dawn very separate. Mm-hmm. Um, Dawn is feeling left out. Dawn is feeling like she doesn't have a voice in this process. Um, and as we're going to find later, Dawn feels like Buffy is treating this as a like a business transaction. She's very cold towards it all. And and of course, as we know and w- we'll find out, it's, this is Buffy's coping mechanism. Yep. Like, 
Um, and I mean, I it, feel for both these women. Yeah, in this. and like, and I mean, it was similar when Joyce was like, uh, you know, before her operation, um, when uh, she was at home and uh, not in the best of shape. And, uh, you know, Buffy, like, tried to busy herself with, like, mm-hmm. doing dishes all the time. Yeah, yeah. And we see, like, and it, it's actually it's interesting, interesting that you say that because we saw in that time period, too, uh, Buffy feeling separate from Dawn and Joyce because they were, they got to be, like, kind of cute together and yeah. have their little book club. Um, but we also know, as we learn here, Buffy and Joyce were having very serious conversations about what's going to happen should Joyce not survive her surgery, which Dawn learns in this scene. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why wasn't I involved in that? It's like, I feel you, but also you're 15 and not emotionally mature enough to be... I mean, that, maybe that's not fair. Maybe it's not fair to say she's not emotionally mature, mature enough, but they definitely are wanting to shield her from mm-hmm. having to deal with that reality. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't Joy- know if they were right or not, you know? Yeah, and Buffy mentions that Joyce didn't really want to wake... Because uh, potlucks are depressing enough. She's right. <laughs> I, I do like a potluck when everyone actually does it. But it feels like there's always like at least one person who just shows up with the bare minimum. It's like, hey, I brought these deviled eggs. Hey, I brought chips and salsa. <laughs> <laughs> um, How good are deviled eggs, though? Oh, f- I fucking love a deviled egg. And you've had some of the deviled eggs that John makes. Oh, the ones that he puts, like, fucking caviar on top of? I mean, he says caviar, but it is roe. Um, which is also still fucking you know, delicious. You know, my, my uncultured ass doesn't know the difference. <laughs> Mine either. <laughs> um, uh, it's still fucking delicious. It's just not outrageously expensive. Um, he also does, the, does these ones. Um, I don't know if he's ever... Where he does, like, little salad shrimp and, like, a sprig of bacon on it, too. Um, for uh, my for Father's Day, uh, my sister-in-law made some uh, deviled eggs that had, like, a... Um, that had, like, bacon bits and uh, cheese on top. Ooh, that sounds good. I love it's a like, deviled egg. It's like, oh, man, this, like, just makes it all the more saltier. And I don't hate it. I love it. <laughs> Well, speaking of Father's Day, oh, happy God. Father's Day to everyone except Hank fucking Summers, who uh, does get brought up in this episode. Apparently, Buffy can't get a hold of him. The number they were given is disconnected. She's tried everything. Her mother has just died, and she cannot get in touch with her father. Uh, that's and, not true. Her father's sitting right next to her in this scene. Oh, <laughs> you're right. But it just, I feel like we've, I feel like we're finally in the place where I feel like I can like really sink my teeth in to how much I fucking hate Hank. Like, back season one and two, he seemed like a reasonably good father. There was distance, but the distance was, like, it was physical distance. And that made it difficult for them to have a relationship. And then he did his shitty disappearing act on him, on on Buffy on her birthday in season three. But he did send her flowers and it seemed like he had a legitimate excuse. There's no fucking excuse here. This is beyond the pale. Fuck Hank Summers. I hope he dies in a volcano. Yeah, this is your... This is your children have lost the parent figure that was... They've lost the parent that stayed and raised them. Mm -hmm. So... You need to, like, get some fucking responsibility. Right? And, like, Buffy was, you know, Buffy was, what, 
14, 15 when they got divorced, which obviously would, was also around the time she became the Slayer. So I'm not going to discount the fact that she was going through it. But Dawn would have been like 10 and probably had a really rough time. Once again, I am acknowledging that these are implanted memories, but they're real for them. Um, yeah, they're, you know... He should I, fucking I be there. I don't care what has, his relationship with Joyce Dawn was. Has Dawn ever referenced any memories of Hank? Um, I can't, like, recall. Not that any. I can think of. Like, I mean, maybe, um, maybe just saying, like, oh, remember when, like, mom and dad... Oh, and... no, there's, um... Uh, on Buffy's birthday, the 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 seashell frame that she oh made, right she mentions that they had been visiting their dad right I when they about that. yeah oh. but that I think that's like it yeah because <laughs> I mean in also in fairness to Hank no but still he's not a presence on this show except yeah. when they need moments like this yeah. so, so it almost feel, I almost feel a little bad because he really is kind of the writer's punching bag but also I don't feel bad because fucking summer <laughs> it's a very effective punching bag um so uh will Dawn is feeling frustrated upset um understandable considering everything she's going through um and she doesn't want to come back to the house after the funeral service so asks Willow um, if she can go back to Willow's uh, dorm room, which is an uncomfortable position for Willow to be placed in. Um, but Willow does agree as long as Buffy says it's okay. And Buffy... Um, but Buffy agrees pretty quickly, which I find interesting considering how... She does think about it for a second. Yeah. But um, I think... Uh... She's probably just in the mindset, like, I've got so much stuff to do. So, um, no offense, Dawn, but it would be easier if you yeah. weren't here. Yeah, no, oh, I totally... Especially yeah. with Dawn being, like, Dawn kind of, like, projecting her feelings at Buffy. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't want to eat or um, anything like that. And I'm not saying that, like, she shouldn't be feeling these feelings, but she is, like, targeting Buffy with them. Yeah. And so... If Buffy feels like, hey, I need Dawn away for a little bit, I'm not going to hold that against her. Yeah. I also... There's a part of me that wonders, and the episode doesn't really go there. Is there a part of Buffy's mind, consciously or unconsciously, that knows that Angel will show up? Or is hoping that Angel will show up and wants to make sure Dawn is somewhere safe and cared for so that she can have that moment that she needs i mean i never thought of that yeah. but it's certainly partially why it's written that way yeah, like I, I always um i always assume when angel showed up that uh it wasn't something that buffy was even expecting um, but she doesn't seem surprised. She doesn't seem surprised, but, um, you know, maybe, like, Buffy's also kind of just numb to it all. I'm, which, fair. That being said, there is credence to your point because she does stand by the grave until nightfall. Mm -hmm. So maybe Angel does say that he's going to come. Yeah. That he heard, he wants to check on her, and that he's going to come. Do you... There's also the part of me on Dawn's side of this. Have the wheels started turning in Dawn's head about what she wants to do and why she picks Willow specifically and not Xander or Giles. 
I, I think so. I don't. I don't think so because okay. um, not at this point. Uh, I think it is just because um, she, when Dawn had her whole like voiceover episode, like after you know after Buffy v Dracula, she um, she does like mention how much she enjoys spending time with uh, with Willow and Tara, and um, oh, but don't forget her never ending crush on Xander. No, let's forget yeah. it. Let's forget uh, it. <laughs> um, it's a good thing she wasn't in that apartment tonight. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think... I, I think that she sees um, Willow and Tara maybe the most removed from all of this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like, uh, she's probably, like, stayed at their dorm room before. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't think she goes there with the intention, but... Um, Boy, howdy! Once she's there, yeah, yeah. She, (laughs) I think she thinks about it too. Yeah, Um, especially because, like, I I think either Willow or Tara like mentioned something about magic, and uh, that's, and uh, that's like, oh no, I want to do a spell. Yeah, it is Tara, and I, I I just remember that because I have a lot of feelings about, about that moment. But we'll get there when we get there. Let's talk about Xander, Willow, and Spike. He returns after. Uh, not being present in the body, which is the right choice for him not to be in that episode. Yeah. Um, but um, I love this scene. I love... Uh, well, for, first of all, we find out that Willow has been visiting her mom a lot. Um, and Xander thinks he'll tag along to visit her mom as well. Because he can't go <laughs> into his house. It's crazy people live there. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's just little moments of like, even though Willow's mom the one time we met her wasn't the best and did in fact try to murder her daughter. She was under the influence of demon paranoia magic. Um, but you know, it, it makes sense that Willow would ret- not retreat that, that I don't like the word retreat in this, in this context, but like try to take a more point. time. Yeah. yeah. Try to take more time. And I feel like, um, anytime you have a, someone close to you, that loses some like a parent or mm-hmm. you or take grandparent. Stock. Yeah, you start thinking like, oh, I um, I maybe don't see my mom and dad as much as I, as much as I should. Mm-hmm. So try to like make a little bit of an extra call every yeah. now and again, or even just go over and say hi, um, even if it's unexpected. Yeah. Um, but Spike shows up with a uh, bouquet of flowers. Um, so, uh, circumstances around recording this episode, uh, ended up dictating that John watched it with us, which he usually doesn't, um, uh, cause we were all having our dinner while watching it, which was fun. Like I, I had a good time. Um, but he was asking us, uh, where Spike, cause he's watched the show before, but he was asking for a reminder of like where Spike was. Along his journey at this point. And we were like, well, you know, better than he has been, but still not great. Um, <laughs> As our friend Grace said, what a toxic, toxic man. Time. But like, this was a, a pretty non-toxic episode. Yes, he was being a bit of a dick to Xander, but Xander... What else is new? Yeah, the two of them don't have a good relationship. And I don't blame Xander for coming at Spike the way he did. I think he was being very protective in the right way of Buffy. Yeah. Um, but I do love that his 
Spike explains that he liked Joyce genuinely. And, and we is, have seen that. And we, there's evidence of that to be true. And then, of course, after he throws the bouquet of flowers to the ground and storms off and Xander's like, fuck that guy, Willow points out, like, there wasn't a card. He wasn't doing this for the recognition, for yeah. anything. So my one bit of advice to Spike is probably should have just, like, left it at the grave um, for after the funeral yeah however then he would have come across uh angel <laughs> and buffy together and then oh boy yeah nah um can of worms can of worms can of worms everywhere he goes um so you know this is you know we've talked about one step forward six steps back this felt like one step forward and i'm gonna only say one step back later in the episode he probably shouldn't have helped dawn but as far as his actions go, I think he did what he thought was the right thing. But, you know, he's a soulless monster, so <laughs> grain of salt and all that. Um, uh, the, yeah, the next day we have the funeral. It's a, it's a standard funeral scene. We get a bit of a montage of reactions. It is your. You really liked your, Anya in those sunglasses, right? I did too. I noticed that, and I liked uh, Tara's like red, red leather jacket. jacket. Yeah, um, I liked that it wasn't wall to wall black because I feel like that's just not true anymore. Um, I know that black, obviously, at a funeral is traditional, but just you see it the, more often on point, television than I you think do at it. this point. It's more like the family, right? Like the the. Like, the immediate family wears black. But even Buffy wasn't. She was wearing, like, tan. No, because I remember um, when she got back from the the graveyard with Angel, she had, like, a black top on. Oh, okay. So maybe it was just her... Something was tan. All right. Something was tan on that woman. All right, fair enough. What was that? Booty. I don't know what that was. (laughs) I mean, that's one of the lesser likely places for her to be tan. (laughs) Uh, you've never heard of a tanned hide? Of a what? Oh. <laughs> you just, you looked so, once you, the, the, the look that flashed across your face when you registered what I said was so disgusted. <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad because that's the only <laughs> reasonable reaction. Boo. Um. Everybody collectively boo Harrison, <laughs> boo. This was a, we get a, you know, there's two types of funerals. Uh, funeral scenes in media. It is it's either raining or very very bright. We get a very bright funeral here. It's... I thought you were gonna say there's one where uh, there's the one where fights don't occur in the grave, and then there's Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but uh, no, what you said is true as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is not uh, this is not a funeral that happens in a Spider-Man film. Um, I'm specifically thinking of Norman Osborn's in the first. Uh, but I think George Stacy in Amazing Spider-Man gets a rainy funeral. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. They, they love a rainy funeral in a Spider-Man movie. I, um, I'm very... Uh, I just don't care for those Amazing Spider-Man movies because they're, they're bad. Which is fair. Yeah, um, they're rough. But, uh, yeah, so I, th- I think I may have seen the first one twice and then saw the second one once in theaters. So I'm like... Oh, I'm glad this trilogy didn't continue. <laughs> yeah, which is disappointing because I actually think it had a lot of a, a lot of pros in its favor that just that anyway. That's not why we're here. 
Um, after sticking around for a while, Willow and Tara take Dawn with them, as was discussed. Uh, Buffy sticks around for a while, and as we mentioned, is joined by Angel. So, Ugh. Angel has appearances throughout the series following his departure. This might actually be my favorite. Oh, not Pangs? <laughs> Harrison's getting this look of disgust several times tonight. No, I, I agree with you. No, yeah, because... Um, and, you know... Yeah, if you had paid attention to the credits at the beginning, you would have seen, like, guest starring David Boreanaz. Um, but I, I wasn't paying attention to the credits the first time I saw this, so... Angel showing up. I mean, it was his first time being on the show in quite a while. Mm-hmm. And um, and it just, like, it, it really was good for my heart. Because I'm like, oh, he he showed up and he's going to, like... And he, like, stays up the whole night with her. Yeah. What is What really works for me about this is... So he's... He, Angel has reappeared on the show, not counting a brief cameo by David Boreanaz in The Freshman. He's had three other guest appearances previous to this. The first was Pangs. Yeah. And the less said about that, the better. Yeah. The second was, um, uh, was the Yoko Factor? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was the Yoko Factor, where he's only really in the first part of the episode. Um, and it's just there to, he's basically there to have a pissing contest with Riley and for him and Buffy to talk through all the shit that went down in LA with Faith. Um, and then, the last time he was on the show was a flashback. So he wasn't even part of the... It was in Fool for Love. So every time he's shown back up in Sunnydale... It's Chaos been, has ensued. Exactly. It's been for big dramatic reasons. And obviously this is a big dramatic reason. But it's not a big dramatic Buffy Angel thing. Yeah. It is Angel showing up when Buffy needs someone there for her. And it's beautiful it's and I mean both of us. We heard those chords of oh, the yeah. Buffy Angel theme music. Yeah, and we were like, there, there, yeah, there yeah. actually is like, um, you know, Buffy's talking about how tomorrow's going to be harder because she has to like see what comes next, and uh, she does seem to imply that she like wants to sleep with Angel, but she's worried, and Angel's like, "Don't worry, I can, I'll be fine." And then they start kissing. You get those piano chords. And then they're like, you know what, can't, sorry. Yeah. Um, but he does say, like, um, there are a few minutes before sun up, so before he has to leave. And uh, they just sit together. It's really nice. And it's, I mean, the whole scene's beautiful, but yeah, that, that music coming back, I didn't know it was going to happen. I did not remember that it was there, but it is the the sense memory that can come with a piece of music. The, the one that's recently been on my mind a lot is the, um, is... Uh, on Lost, anytime someone dies, um, that the that life and death is the name of the piece, but it's that dun 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 dun, dun which I've been obsessed with since two thousand and four. For me, um, for me right now, like the thing that always kind of like chokes me up a little bit is anytime I hear um, the version of Both Sides Now from Coda, mm. um, because. Uh, yeah, like, I was a weeping mess throughout that movie at, like, three specific points, and that was the third point. And anytime I hear it, and I hear um, Emily Jones, um, I, I, hear, I hear her singing it, 
it's just like oh god um, so beautiful another one for me it, and this has been very recent um but i i i got very behind over the last couple of weeks on star trek so i've been catching up and and it's not just over the last couple of weeks, but I've just recently, within the last year of like watching various Star Trek things, anytime I hear da da da, I'm just like, oh, that's the sound, yeah. that's the sound, <laughs> and it makes me happy. Yeah, that makes me think of um, in a Unification Part Two, I think at the very remind beginning. Remind me which one that is. Is that Lore and no, no. the Borg? No, no, that's um, that's a blah, 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 Descent. Okay. Um, Unification is the TNG two part of Spock. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Spock does say, um, like Spock does tell Picard to like leave Romulus, and uh, and and Picard's like, no, I'm staying, and and Spock just gives him this look and says, in in a way, you remind me of another captain of the Enterprise, and and uh, then does a play. What I would say, then yeah, you get the music. Yeah. Well, I think and Picard says like, "Oh, then I find myself in good company." Oh, and, uh, then they play the music. Ah! Yeah, music is great for sense memory. Um, so uh, is there anything else we want to say about this angel scene other than it's just really beautiful? Yeah, it is, it. and I'm glad that that is all that we get of Angel. Oh yeah, yeah. any more of Angel would distract from the rest of this episode yep. it also would you know i was making a couple jokes while we were watching it of like buffy wouldn't be listening to what he said if she heard about those lawyers he murdered yeah like um and buffy yeah angel does say angel does say at one point that like uh oh you have people who care for you you don't have to do this alone and harrison's <laughs> like yeah angel you don't have to do this alone yeah and i am glad that we got the epiphany before this if 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 this scene had happened whilst we were still in the middle of that arc, even though they're separate shows, but I still would have been just like bullshit. We, where, where's all this emotional maturity coming from, Mister Emotional Infant? Right yeah, now, yeah, you're a, you're 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 a hypocrite. <laughs> yeah, but it actually, honestly, though, all of that that arc he just went through. Obviously, this is a beautiful scene on its own, and if you're not watching Angel, I think you can still enjoy it. But there is a part of me that's just like the arc he just went through and the amends he's he has to make with his friends actually makes this even more beautiful. Um, you know, Buffy doesn't even know about everything he's done, at least as far as we know. But um, he's still making the point to reach out and not isolate touch himself. Touch faith. Uh, <laughs> well, no, she's in prison. Reach out, touch faith. Do, do, do. Um, Hero, personal, Jesus. How's that? <laughs> that for a sense memory? Yeah, that was a lot. <laughs> um, back at Willow and Tara's dorm room, um, they, Willow and Tara, are trying to cheer Dawn up. Not shockingly, it doesn't work. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like um, Willow's going about this the wrong way. Yes. And you can say that about literally everything she does in this episode. Yes. Uh, but let's start off with, like, just trying to say that, like, it'll get better. And um, one thing that I've, I've learned is that is not the thing to tell somebody it, when it's this fresh. Exactly. It feels like the right thing. And it is the truth. But it's not... It's not helpful. Yeah, like, you can't... 
you can't say that like oh there is going to be like this magical day when it's going to be better on like yeah. one of the worst days ever yeah tara's advice is a lot better i i just i i get frustrated with it slightly because she doesn't just come out and tell dawn that she's lost her mother. And, I've, you know, I don't necessarily need a redux of the scene between Tara and Buffy in the previous episode. You know, we we did that already. But the part where Tara says to her, and this is what I was alluding to earlier, where Buffy's, Dawn's like, well, how will I know? And uh, Or how do you know? And Tara says, well, we're witches. Of course we know. It, it's frustrating that Tara says that to me because I'm like, but Tara, you could say because I've gone through this and I, here's my advice. So I, I my only re- reasoning for that is that telling Buffy like drained her. So trying to tell it again would have just drained her more. I'll accept and, that. Um, and, and I accept it, that because you, you are positioning it from a point of Tara thinking about her not being selfish, but you know, taking care of her own mental health. Because the only thing I could think of was that it was a preserva- preserving Dawn, which felt felt very out of character for Tara. Yeah, and... Um, I can see Dawn, Willow doing that, but not Tara. Yeah, and another thing, uh, when she told Buffy, Buffy was in a much different emotional state than Dawn is. Dawn mm-hmm. is just in her angry state right yes. now. She is very much, like, she's... Like, Dawn, of course, I think everybody went through denial in the body. Mm-hmm. And Dawn is, like, in anger, and she is um, very quickly getting to bargaining. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because we definitely saw Dawn's denial. That was, I mean, that was her arc. It was, you're lying, yeah. it, you're lying to me, it's not true. And then she finally saw the body, which has led into her anger stage. Um, and, yeah, it is, yeah. We're going to get to bargaining real quick. Yep. Um, um, yeah, and that's when uh, that's when Dawn says, like, oh, I know what I want to do. And they're like, yeah, we'll play some games. Like, I want to, like, uh, want to do some magic. And like, oh, okay, um, I can... Uh, float a teddy bear. Yeah, I can, make, <laughs> I can make a stuffed animal dance for you. And, uh, like, no, I want to do a spell. You guys are you guys are witches. I want to be able to bring her back. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> and we're going to leave that... Or, no, no, we don't leave that there. We we go on with this for a bit. Um, I, I, for a second, I thought we went to Anya and Xander, but I don't think we do yet. Um, Tara and Willow both refuse for extremely different reasons, which yes. is very telling and important. Yes, because Tara says that it shouldn't be done. These are like, we don't mess with the natural order mm-hmm. of things. And uh, Dawn calls bullshit on that. Um, but uh, then Tara goes into how, um, like, Wicca's, Wiccans, Wiccas used to be able to yeah. do, used to, like, they took oaths to not do that. And um, Willow says, oh, you know, it's, like, it's really hard to do. Like, no, Willow, don't yeah. say that. That actually is one of my favorite moments because it's three lines, but it's so fucking loaded. Where Will, yeah, Tara is going into all of the moral and ethical implications of it. She goes full Chidi Anagonye, and 
But Willow's just like, yeah, and it's hard. I don't know how. <laughs> and, and and Tara immediately is like, that's not the point. Like and you, Willow's like, oh, yeah, no, no. But you, you, you spent so much time over whether you could do it. <laughs> you didn't You didn't ask yourself whether you, sh- you should do it. But you, then, you, you, you took... You, you you just got like this toy and that's what that's what you're treating it as. I you're gold blooming. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're I, 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 I don't know what you're saying. Um we, we we laugh though, but I mean that really is right here what we're seeing is yeah. the is the the delineation between their philosophies on this. Also I always love making you smile with the Jurassic Park I, reference. No, I do. Um I love it. Um but that's the thing. Willow's Willow's thing is I don't know how. Tara's is I don't. It doesn't matter if we can or cannot do mm-hmm. it. It's wrong. Yeah. Um. And thank, you know I, I think a lot of what Buffy says gets to Dawn. Gets through the Dawn, but honestly, I I will say I think it wouldn't have if Tara didn't have put this primer in there first. I think these things were and, already going and, through Dawn's um, head because and of Tara. one thing, one little detail that I noticed that stuck out to me when um, Buffy is trying to break up the spell, she says, Tara told me that mm-hmm. these spells go wrong all the time. Not Willow. Yeah, like, um, and uh, even though Willow's the one who's like, oh, we should probably call Buffy. and But it feels like, it feels like had she heard it from both of them, uh, Buffy would have said, oh, Willow told me, or Willow and Tara told me, but no, she specifically said Tara told me. Yeah, I, that's a great detail that I'd not thought of, and thank you for saying that, because you're right. Because cause it probably was. I mean, it, I mean, it probably was both of them, but I, I guarantee it was Willow saying, oh, Thon's probably going to do something like this, and Tara saying, and then Tara going, and this is why it's really fucking bad. Yeah. And we have to put a stop to it. Mm-hmm. Um... And yeah, they say that they uh, yeah. are gonna help her, and Dawn's just like fine. gets mad and fine. I'm gonna bed. Yeah, goes to sleep in her sleeping bag. I yeah, I we're pro Dawn podcast. I love Dawn. Michelle Trachtenberg really, really plays these sulky teenage moments so well that sometimes I'm like Dawn. Yeah, Ooh, like, I empathize with you a lot, but you're making it hard. Yeah, but like it's people do when people are in like the aftermath of mm-hmm. when people are in grief. They do they do things that aren't so great. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, or things that are very out of character, and uh, or in the case of or, Anya, <laughs> things incredibly in character. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we talk about her and Xander fucking? I'd be disappointed if we didn't. Yeah. Well, Xander and Anya finish having really phenomenal sex. Yeah. It appears. Um, you know, as all first off say, everything that Anya's saying, very heteronormative. Um, but that's fine for what we're talking about right now. But sex isn't just for reproduction. Sex is also to enjoy. Um, if you want it. Uh, well, but she does... She doesn't say that sex is just for reproduction. Right. She says that, like, oh, she realizes there's another aspect of sex. And, of course, like, when she thinks about sex, she's not thinking about sex in general. She's thinking about sex with Xander. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> I don't know why. I made my stomach turn. <laughs> but, yeah, like, it. yeah, I don't. Yes, 
I mean, there there is like the danger of that coming across as heteronormative. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't like grab the pitchfork just too. Quickly. Oh, you know, I think it's very. I think this scene. Probably, I mean, I I like the scene a lot, and I think what she's saying is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. This is once again a twenty twenty two perspective. I think written today, the scene would be written in, with the same sentiment in mind, but maybe with a little more precision of language yeah. around it. And that's fine. Let's not like, yeah, not getting my pitchfork. I'm not coming for you, Anya. I mean, I'm coming for you because I fucking love you. But she does. She is, she is, ta- she's connecting to sex. Just I'm not, I'm not. I'm not going to say it. it. I'm, okay, move, let's go. Move keep past talking, it. Keep talking. Keep talking. Um, <laughs> um, she's connecting uh, with with sex on a different level now that she's uh, and this I think this ties in really well to her monologue from the body you know what does it all mean why does this happen she's had some time to think about it and it's you know she's thought about life and death and how they're connected and how you know how all the how sex ties into that and how you know she has to appreciate that and um, and appreciate Xander and so uh, and of course, uh, Xander's getting freaked out. Yeah. One because uh, the sex is like she was thinking about Joyce, uh, or Joyce was one of the reasons why their sex was so good. And then Xander, stop acting like you've never thought about Joyce while having sex. <laughs> while <laughs> having sex, I mean, he he has like uh, we know he's had sexy dreams about her. Yes, I'm just saying. Um, and then uh, and then of course she talks about like having kids, and he's like. Freaks out as well. Like, yes, but those are for older, much richer people. <laughs> yeah, but less dumb people. Less dumb and, people. And I love that she's like, calm down. I've got my IUD. It's fine. I don't know if they had IUDs in 2001. I don't fully understand what an IUD is. I know it's birth control. Yeah, it's like a little thing that uh, gets it's implanted into. It's the into. one that goes in your arm, right? I don't think it goes in your arm. Okay. I, I think that's the one that goes up your hoo-ha. Ah, uh, I don't... I, I don't fully understand forms of birth control because I don't need them. <laughs> it's I, My birth control is homosexuality. <laughs> you should get that on the <laughs> I'm sure that exists in some form. My birth control is homosexuality. There is like a... Um, there is like a, a little meme that shows like a person holding an IUD... And be like, oh, ask a guy what this is, like, eight times, like, four times out of five, he won't know. He'll say something stupid, like little mini headphones or something. And I, I, like, looked at that, because I think it was a girl who showed it to me, and I'm like, that's that's like an IUD, isn't it? Like, well, you're just smarter than most guys. Yeah. I actually, as I was talking about IUDs and saying the term over and over, I, I did have a mini moment of panic where I was like... That's not those like roadside bombs, right? That's an IED. <laughs> I did like I really was just like, oh my god, am I saying the wrong like um, the wrong thing? Oh, no. Um. Uh. So yeah, so this is how Anya has has gone into processing Joyce's death, and it's a brief scene, but I I like it. Um. We we next go to just a quick scene at Giles's apartment. He's having a drink and he's listening to um, the yeah, tale so, of. Oh. Um, let's get educated on this. Oh, okay. Um, on IUDs? 
Yeah, uh, or specifically where they're put. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, we're going to be very, very mature about this. Um, a doctor or nurse puts the IUD in through your vagina and into your uterus. Some people feel cramps or pains, but it doesn't last long, and medicine can help. Um, and then they have, like, the, like, process, which, I mean, you don't really need to go over, but, um, yeah, it's not the ones that you put in your arm. But that, that I, I is think, a thing. I that, think that is a thing, but yeah. it says, like, IUD specifically, um, okay. and here's the picture of where they go. The uterus? Well, yeah, like... That's the IUD right there. That's where it is once it's inserted. Oh, I was I okay. I no, I, I figured you knew what a I, uterus I was. Didn't, like, I didn't. This picture specifically has where the IUD. I is. wasn't looking at the like the specific IUD. I was looking at the whole. I was like, that's just a picture of a uterus, and I know what that looks like. For more information, uh, this is PlannedParenthood.com. Yes. Yes. Plan, okay, but hey, I, Planned Parenthood has been our 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 nonprofit before, but uh, it is once again. That's it. We've done it. Yeah, uh, we've done it. <laughs> yeah, we did it. Um, so so yes, back at Giles's apartment, he's having a drink. He's listening to the tale of Brave Ulysses by Cream, which our listeners may remember uh, is what he and Joyce were listening to back in Bandcamp. Uh, I believe you skipped a bit. What did they skip? Literally the entire next day of when like Dawn actually goes to the magic box. And, like, takes the stuff. Oh, no, we haven't gotten there yet. Okay, I thought that was... Because I specifically remember when Giles is, like, listening to that, the next cut is to when Dawn and Spike are walking together. Well, then the wiki's wrong. Oh, no. (laughs) Never! What? Couldn't have happened. What? According to this, this is happening at the same time as Willow and Tara and Anya and Xander. Okay. Um, and at the same time, regardless of who's right, I don't know. I'm quite frankly tipsy. <laughs> uh, this is also all happening at the same time as Ben hanging out oh, outside yeah. of Sunnydale Memorial. Good old Ben. You know, it's it's really funny when um that when Jinx is that was name uh-huh. when Jinx brings up like him courting the Slayer. I feel like the last time we saw Glory was when she found out that uh, mm-hmm. was when she found out that uh, that like Ben had asked uh, Buffy out and Buffy said no and Glory was disappointed. Yep. Like that's the Slayer. Like she turned us down. I, I I think that's exactly the last time we saw her. And that is the good thing now that we can just say this. Uh, ben and Glory sharing a body, um, and you know that. That does help, like, anytime she's absent for a while. Yeah. Like, where's Glory? She's been right now. Yeah. And that's fine. Um, I was actually shocked when she showed up in this episode. Um, I was just, uh, I was like, oh, I thought we, honestly, I felt like we, around the body, it was just kind of a no glory period for obvious reasons. Yeah. But nope, here she is. Well, I mean, here's Ben, but. Yeah, yeah. if you want to, like, just go back to that Giles scene, since it is, like, very short, um. That's kind of Giles dealing with his yeah. grief. He listens to the song that uh, he played for Joyce. It's a great song. It is. And I kind of want to listen to it when we finish. Okay. Um, yeah. And it's... I like that. I like that the way they do Giles in these episodes. Um, he doesn't get big moments. But big moments feel inauthentic for Giles. 
he gets to be more introspective and because he's you know he's older he's like that's yeah and i feel like um i feel like one of the big things about a lot of the arcs in this past season and the season and this current season especially with buffy is like the process of growing up is eventually like your support system can be there, but you do have to end up doing things for yourself. Yeah. And so while Giles is very much helping Buffy with all of the arrangements, mm-hmm. um, she does, she is like getting to a point where pretty soon it's just going to be her and Dawn. Yeah. Which we'll have a lot to talk about there. Mm-hmm. Um, Jinx wants Ben to tell him where the key is. Uh, He's Ben's like, I'm not helping my sister. I, I really like that he called uh they Ben and Glory have shared language have had language in their relationship t- about one another that has implied a sibling relationship, especially when Ben was talking to Dawn uh about like problems with a sibling. But this is the first time that Ben has specifically called Dawn or Dawn called Glory his sister. Sister and from another hell goddess sinister mister Uh, (laughs) um and he's like i'm not gonna help you i would i'm not gonna help you find the key i would never do that to an innocent ben that's the second stupidest thing you do in this episode (laughs) what you know what the first stupidest thing you don't do in this you do in this episode you don't finish the job you don't finish off jinx um so basically yeah jinx catches on immediately he's like innocent what an interesting choice of words and then and then Ben's like no no i didn't mean it like that i'm, I'm not saying that the key is a human no. god damn it ben <laughs> you know what i can't let and you know what stab <laughs> but just once listen we at booze and buffy do not condone murder but <laughs> finish the job yeah you have to think um if Obi-Wan had just, like, you know, maybe done one more lightsaber strike at Anakin on Mustafar, we wouldn't have had to worry about Darth Vader. Saved a lot of a lot of trouble. Yeah. Or made things much worse. Who knows? <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, it, come on. Come on. Uh, back at Glory's mansion, uh, Jinx is brought in. He... I love that the implication here, because he's trying to get out, as he's giving the information to Glory, he's like, uh, Glory, by the way, rocking uh, like a black, black and white, white. kind of zebra dress. And at first I was just like, yeah, you look good. But there's no red. And I want red in my Glory outfit. But upon closer inspection, we get a, just the peak of Glory's red bra. So we're still good. I feel like that's something that I should have noticed more than you, but... <laughs> Except I was the one going, her costume's not right, it's not red. Yeah, it's like... You... Glory wears her red. Yeah, yeah, you as a gay man notice the uh, notice the bra. I as a straight man notice what's in the bra. I mean, I also noticed. Well, yeah. How can you not? They, yeah, she's looking good, uh, but she's she is... In, what is it in Seinfeld? Like, they're real and they're spectacular. <laughs> Um, Terry Hatcher. When Glory finds out that Ben is the one who stabbed Jinx, she starts freaking out. She's pulling out clumps of her hair. Yeah, he legit pulls it out. Yeah. Um, but that's when Jinx is like, oh, you're great. 
hot uh, one. Like, yeah, because yeah, like all those underlings have like those ridiculous like praises of glory. Yeah. And he's trying to get one out, but he just, he just can't. he's been stabbed in the gut. Yeah, but he does mention that basically Ben accidentally let slip that the key is human. Uh, glory is fucking stoked because before they had nothing to go on. Could have been a bike pump. Could have been anything. A bike pump. But now they know it's human, and that's a big deal. And she's even going to forgive his shitty praises. Um, Which makes me think that it's, like, a policy for them to, like... I've always just kind of thought that that's just, like, oh, a thing they do. Except for the way she phrases it, it does sound like it's a thing she's instructed them to do. And also, it (laughs) seems that she has the ability to, like, bring those guys back from the dead. Because she does say, like, oh, bring him back. I want to hear the whole thing again, but with, like, you know, less less moaning. (laughs) Um, but and the, the, that's a that's a wrap for glory in this episode. Yeah, but I mean, it really it's it's it, it, funny, it's but it's significant. Yeah. Uh, back at the dorm room, Tara and Willow are leaving for class, but not before Willow decides to surreptitiously to to, to Tara, not surreptitiously to Dawn. She's like pointing like red arrows to what she's doing to Dawn. She uses some magic to slyly indicate the book that Dawn should look at. It is a history of witchcraft. And I... Ooh. Yeah. It's, this is enabling, y'all. It's so bad. It's And as Willow does say later, like, it is... It's not a how-to guide. It's a history. And her intention is for Dawn to read about it. And hopefully that'll get it out of her system. But hey, Willow, that's a really fucking stupid plan. And it is indicative of your mindset right now around magic. Mm -hmm. That's what I'll leave. I'm leaving it at that for now. But Don, shock of shock, starts reading it and starts getting I fucking Diaz. Who could have predicted? Also, can we like talk about how... um... Those uh, subtitles in that book, like, for all the different, like, sections sound like 60 Minutes sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Resurrection, the controversy. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. Um, Leslie Stahl is fearless. Uh, Willow goes to, uh, or Dawn goes to the magic box where she pretends to dust. Um, Giles encourages her keeping busy. Anya is unhappy to potentially be replaced by illegal child labor. <laughs> and then when a customer shows up, she like, oh, a customer like immediately goes and tries yeah. to like, tries to make the sale. I just love that you can hear in the background her, hello, how are you? How may I serve you? Giles, can you see how good of an employee <laughs> I am? <laughs> um, but... Dawn takes the opportunity to go steal some stuff that God, she'll need. I hope she doesn't do stuff like... I hope she doesn't make a habit out of this. <laughs> you could have had more Kermit the Frog sipping uh, iced tea energy right there. Is it iced tea that he sips or is it regular tea? It's, uh, I think tea? it's iced tea. Okay. I think it's iced tea. Um, that night... Dawn is at her mother's grave collecting some dirt where she is confronted by Monsieur Spike 
William Bloody. Who tells her, you know, you better not be collecting anything other than dirt, because otherwise we're in zombie territory. And zombies have never been good for this show. Never been good for this show. Uh, but I do like the acknowledgement of the different potential kinds of resurrection. Because um, I will say, resurrection is also something that's a little cons- inconsistent sometimes on uh, in this universe. Um, but Yeah, say what you will about Dragon Ball Z. But, I mean, there was a system for how <laughs> you would come back to life. You can only come back to life via Wish from the Dragon Balls once. And... However, if you get another set of Dragon Balls, you can then be brought back to life once from those. Ball fondler. Dragon Balls. Dragon um, Balls. <laughs> You're seven. Um, oh, so I need two hands. I mean, I, I honestly don't know your ball fondling prowess. So. <laughs> it is excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I've had no unsatisfied customers. <laughs> um... But, yeah, Spike's like, Don's like, no, don't worry, it's cool. And Spike's like, it really fucking is. <laughs> you know, the, the, that is probably, like, the best <laughs> phrasing for those. Well, like, uh, just replace uh, fucking with bloody. Like, it really bloody isn't. <laughs> I just, I always think of that, um, that, uh, the, the SNL Sarah Lee sketch. Where, where <laughs> no, but it's all right. You keep saying that, <laughs> but it really isn't. <laughs> um, so he, he, Spike agrees to help Don. <laughs> you make I'm it? just thinking of that getting railed to death. <laughs> getting railed to death. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's a good sketch. It's a good this sketch. is your second warning. <laughs> uh, so, um... Spike agrees to help, uh, help Don, because uh, he doesn't, he quote, doesn't like to see the Summers women take it so hard on the chin, and Don's like, you're just doing this to get in Buffy's pants, and Don, Spike's like, if you ever fucking tell your sister I helped you do this, I'll kill you. Yeah, because, like, <laughs> uh, if Buffy found out about this... <laughs> yeah. I've had a lot, of, Buffy's given me a lot of leeway, but... This might be a bridge too far. Yeah. And they do, I do, this is another, I do actually. I believe, I believe that Spike says like, oh, if your sister found out I was doing this, she'd stab me with a red blade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I do, I actually do believe that Spike is genuine in his desire, both at the beginning of the episode and here, for Buffy not to know about this. Yeah. Which is good. That's good, Spike. I, I, I wouldn't say that it's good that he's enabling uh, it's, no, Don. No, but yeah. I, actions, questionable. Intent? Re- intent, also questionable. But like, <laughs> for Spike, you know, he's cleared a very low no, bar we've no set for bo- him. Nobody's perfect. We've, yeah, we, he's cleared the extremely, extremely low bar that we've set for him. Um, they, uh, Spike takes Don... To a magic expert named Doc, who is played by uh, Tony Award winner and Academy Award winner Joel Grey, um, who's uh, probably most famous for his role as the MC in Cabaret, um, and as the wizard in Wicked, um, and as Doc in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. 
at least to this homosexual. Yeah. Um, and also just generally, Joel Grey has had a long, long career. I mean, the man is in his 90s, I believe, um, and is still going. Um, and is openly gay. Um, so, uh, oh, also Doc has a tail. Um, but he... Uh, he gives them the rest of the information that they need to... Need an egg. Agora yeah, egg. Yeah, a Ghidorah egg. Ghidorah, Ghidorah. I, I, I've always called it Ghidorah. Yeah, I think they're all right. I think <laughs> I think various incarnations have been... Uh, um, but, uh, you know, he tells her it's a, it's a difficult ritual. You know, it might not work. And if it does work, the person you're resurrecting might not come back the same and if you need to put it stop the spell you just destroy the image of the person that you're you're resurrecting yep um and don's like cool let's do it uh so spike takes her and they they have this little action sequence where they uh they they get the egg it's it's fine it's, yeah it's it's it, it, like I, I mentioned it, it while we were watching, it reminded me of Rodney the Snake. Uh, I mean, it's a practical effect. And Rodney I'm, the Snake, dude. I'm always into practical effects, even really cheap looking ones like this. Um, Classic Buffy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she successfully gets the egg and Spike kills the, the demon. And she returns to do the spell. Um, we get a quick scene where Dawn... God damn it. Willow is journaling. She's trying to remember what she had for breakfast. Uh, Tara had two eggs poached that wobbled at her like sunny little boobies. Up. Yes, sunny side up. Wobbled at her like little boobies. Okay. <laughs> and uh, what, what does Tara call Tara, them? Tara does say sassy eggs. Sassy eggs. That's one of those ones where I'm just like... the. Willow's like they were like little boobs or I'm just like oh that's such a straight person writing that line and then S- Tara's sassy eggs line I'm like that's funny <laughs> like, <laughs> you know so I, I'll take what I can um but when that does that does make me think of um uh one of the early episodes of that 70s show where it's like Eric's birthday and he um he he's dreaming and uh, you don't know that he's dreaming, but uh, like Donna shows up and she's like, oh, close your eyes. I want to give you uh, your present. And he's like, OK, she's like hands, hands in her robe. And she's like, uh, all right, uh, open your eyes. And he opens them and it's like uh, and it's Kitty. Holding, I was going like, say... a plate of sunny side up eggs like happy birthday. Ah! I was going to say, I was like, I feel like I was like, I as the further you went on, I was like. I was remembering more and more, and I was like, I feel like it's Naked Kitty. Um, it's not Naked Kitty, but she is like ho- just yeah. holding the plate of sunny side oh, up eggs right there. The naked one is the one where she the, he walks in on them having he sex. He walks in on them having sex, and then like at the dinner table the next yeah. time, he just sees them naked. Yeah, and she's eating the sausage. <laughs> oh my god. That has one of my favorite like Red and Kitty moments in it. When, um, and this is when I love laugh tracks. And studio audiences, it's like... Is when, this uh, about his mother being a dancer? No, no, this okay. is when uh, Kitty says... Uh, this is when Kitty says, foreplay is very important. <laughs> yeah. And everybody like starts laughing and Red's like, no, no, it's not. Everybody laughs again. And he's like, yes, it is. 
<laughs> the one I was thinking from that episode is where uh, uh, Red's kind of laughing about it. He's like, yeah, just imagine like, if you had seen your, your mother naked. Yeah, he's like, stop that. She's like, and your mother was a dancer. <laughs> I imagine that would have been quite something. <laughs> uh, good show. And I am quite looking forward to, um, to that 90s show. As especially considering it's foregrounding Red and Kitty, who were... I mean, I liked all the characters on that show generally, but Red and Kitty were always the funniest. Um, that that dynamic is fucking mm-hmm. gold. Um, anyway, Tara notices that uh, one of their books is missing, and uh, Willow pointedly uh, does not come clean about what she did. She goes along with it when Tara's like, oh, Will- Don must have seen it and taken it. Oh, yeah, Don, Don probably did Don it. Don definitely it, did that. But I, but I don't think she, like, she probably didn't mean, she's like, she probably didn't mean to do it. And she's like, oh, God, like, what if she, like, tries to do something with it? I'm like, well, it's just a history. I'm sure she didn't, like, want to do a spell. And she's like, God, did she, what else did she take? Like, oh, that's all she took. I but think, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Oh, Willow. And the only reason, to, I like, the only reason Tara's not like, what the fuck did you do? Is because she's clearly too preoccupied with what the fuck is Dawn gonna do? Yeah. Well, um, we like we don't need to know what Dawn's going to like. She, uh, Tara knows what Dawn's yeah. gonna do because she immediately says, "We have to like, call Buffy." Well, right now, um, Willow says, "Like, oh, it's just a book of histories," and she's like, "Yeah, but there's a section in there about resurrections, and that could point Dawn to resurrection spells." Yeah. And she's like, we have to call Buffy. We have to tell her what's going on. Which is when we get to... um, It cuts directly to Buffy getting home right as the phone is ringing. We see Willow... God damn it. We see Dawn doing the ritual. Uh, Buffy confronts her. But at this point, it is too late. She's done it. Um... And we get to what is the scene of this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, it is the meat of the episode. And it's and amazing. another SMG performance uh, that is... Both of them. Both of yeah. them. It's just SMGMT! SMGMT. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Dawn rails at Buffy that you don't... You know, you've been treating mom's death like a burden. Like, it's chores you have to do. Which earns... On a, she says like, "Oh yeah, cleaning up, cleaning up mom's mess." Yeah, and that's, yeah, and that and Buffy flat smacks her. Don's like your jaw didn't break. <laughs> like, um, and she tells her, you know, you don't want me around. You know, it's all a burden, and you haven't even cried. And Buffy's like, because I can't. I have to take care of us. I have to, um. There, because the minute that she stops doing all of yeah, that... It's real. Yeah, then she'll be gone. Yeah. A couple weeks ago, months ago, I don't know however long it was, there was... I can't remember what which episode it was, but we kind of had a discussion about where we were talking about the ages of the characters. And we were like, they're only 20, but at the same time, we're like... They're still adults, though, like within TV world. Mm-hmm. At this moment, I, w- I remember just going, God, she's 20. She's 20 years old. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm 29. I'm turning 30 next month. Jason, you're a couple years older than I am. I can't imagine losing my mom now. 
my brothers are both adults who have their own jobs and lives. I would not be, I would not be suddenly thrust into a world of having to care for them if I lost my parents. And I still can't. <laughs> like, I still can't imagine going through that. And that's where Buffy is right now. She's a 20-year-old woman who's in college, can't get her father to answer the fucking phone, who's just lost her mother, and now has to care for her sister. Oh, yeah, and she also kind of has this whole destiny of being, um, you know... The chosen one. The chosen one who has to rid the world of vampires and demons. Yeah, I just... And then the, the line that always gets me is when Buffy says to Dawn, she has this whole speech, and it's beautiful. It's beautifully written. It's beautifully performed. It's all wonderful, but it's the moment where she says, who's going to take care of us? Yeah, because Dawn does say, like, um, you, nobody's asking you to be mom. And Buffy says, like, well, if I don't, who's going to be? Who's going to take care of us? And then we see the outline of Joyce, oh. the silhouette, excuse me, the silhouette of Joyce at the window. And it and like there's a knock, there's a knock on the door and Buffy turns around and immediately just like forgets all of that and mm-hmm. says, Mommy runs to the door and that's when dawn realizes holy shit what have i done and as buffy's opening the door dawn rips up the picture of joyce and and there's nothing at the door that moment where buffy abandons everything she just said for a chance to be with her mother again is really Mm -hmm. powerful because everything she says before is so powerful and she's right yeah but it doesn't matter in that moment for her. Like, her mom is there. And uh, and then Dawn runs over to Buffy and they both fall on the floor and hug each other and cry. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah. And it's a good end. And it's... it's I'm not happy to see them upset, but I'm glad to see them cry together because it's the release that they need. Yeah, that, that, that silhouette of Joyce oh, it's is chilling. so haunting. Yeah. And I'm really impressed uh, with the way that this episode really, in this final scene, embraces its horror roots while never once letting go of the emotional stakes of this moment. Um, and and it's, I don't know, it's just the kind of scene that only Buffy can do. And I mean, that's not true. It's, you know, but it's this type of scene that Buffy fucking excels at. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think this is a really, really good episode. I think, is it the body? No. No. But it's, it's an episode that has to happen. It's an episode that explores a lot of really powerful emotions in a different way than the body does. And, you know, and I think works in synchronicity with the body. It's... Um, and it's and I, and now I'm kind of doing the thing I wanted to avoid, which is comparing it to the body because mm-hmm. I because it stands on its own and I shouldn't be doing that. Um, Forever is powerful. It is a great episode for Dawn. Um, it really it's Dawn's episode. It really is all about Dawn. It's all for her. It's all it's her. It's all for you, Tom. <laughs> it's, you know, rests on her shoulders. And I think Michelle Trachtenberg rises to the occasion beautifully. 
I think the scene with Angel is perfectly done. I just, um, and you know, we, we the little bits of our supporting cast that we get work for all of them when we get to see where they are in this journey of through this grief and this loss. Um, so I, this is a who. After watching it, it was a four, but after talking through it, it's a. I think I'm gonna give it a four and a half. Uh, four and a half. Yeah, no I'm funny gonna, jokes. I'm gonna give it a four. Um, it the um the the glory stuff while important does seem a little out of place. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the pacing of this episode is a little weird. Like, it totally is. What what like we see we see Buffy sitting with Angel, and that's that end of that first night. But then there's a whole day. And then we get Buffy coming back from somewhere to initiate that final scene. So we don't really know what she did for that whole day. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe it was like some, maybe it was like part of some dialogue that she had with somebody else. Like, oh, I have to do this. But, I don't think so. Um, I think it's just Buffy's literally just missing for the second act of this episode. Because yeah. I mean, if you break it into three acts, Buffy is not in. She's in the first act and the third act, and mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah. Which is fine. Like. It's not her episode, but yeah. But yeah, um, top-notch um, utilization of Angel uh, mm-hmm. for this. Uh, just the right amount. And um, and yeah, like, wonderful final scene. And uh, little shades of bad habits to come from mm-hmm. certain characters. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Nope. All right. Let's get out of here. Yeah, I'm gonna go home. <laughs> it's Thank a little you. later for us than usual. Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with Angel Season 2, Episode 17, Disharmony. Huh! I wonder what that could be about. Interesting! I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N. And I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij 357 and on Twitter at just plain old yummy J. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy. Or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out in all of those instances. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, you may have noticed during this episode, um, I had a question about IUDs, uh, specifically where they go in a woman. And uh, the helpful resource of PlannedParenthood.org was able to answer that immediately. PlannedParenthood.org is a helpful resource for women and also people who are interested in education about women, um, especially women who are in need of Mm -hmm. medical care. And unfortunately, dickhead politicians seem to think that it's just an abortion factory. Yeah. Um, and of course, women, obviously, but also transgender men and people who are non-binary who need those services yes, as well. Yes. Um, so pardon me for my oh, no. generalization. That's okay. Um, but yeah. That's why so, we talk it through. So um, I'm almost certain that uh, PlannedParenthood.org does have the, uh, does have like links to donate. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good resource. Uh, so yeah. yeah. Um, and just so, please go out and do some good in the world. It needs it so badly. Mm-hmm. And we're all try- I know we're all trying. It's exhausting sometimes. And there are some days where I just, you know, 
I've been having those days recently. I'll be real. Uh, sorry to just dump this at the end of the episode, but like, it's hard. It's hard, and it's easy to want to give up, but we can't. So we have to go out and go slay and be gay, indeed, forever. Forever, forever, ever, forever, ever. <laughs> Bye.